fail is not a bad thing. Uh, you can make uh, from your fails and build steps to grow up, or you can put them over your head as a weight. Welcome to the Close Quarter Dad podcast, discussions about raising your kids with confidence, safety, and resilience. I'm your host, Adam Mitchell, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Define for me your perspective and what you see as the difference of personal protection, self-defense, and then over on the other side, martial arts, and how we should look at, you know, okay, this is martial arts, whether it be sport, whether it be traditional, because you, you talked about how you view your view of karate. And, mm-hmm. and then there's also the world that, you know, that, that is the personal, per, personal protection professionals work in that really is, doesn't have too much to do with martial arts, but yet there is some overlap. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that uh, mostly in the U.S., uh, you know, when the students come, we immediately need to reward them. And a lot of the parents, they do the first and the most bad thing for the kids, that for anything, they come to training, they need to get reward. A good parent that really worried for his son to really know, uh, he need a teacher that don't clap for every push-ups that you do. You need a teacher that also will know to fail your kid. Fail is not a bad thing. Uh, you can make uh, from your fails and build steps to grow up, or you can put them over your head as a way. I, I go to a lot of martial arts, and they just teach the kids always to um, not to fail. Like, so for example, they, 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 they're making illusions for the kids. It's like uh, the kid uh, do one push-up, and now they give him a reward like... Uh, the best student of the week, the best student of the month, the best student. And by this, you actually destroy them. Mm-hmm. You know, I come from Japanese mentality. When, even when you do everything uh, good, the teacher comes and says, you can do it better. So we look for perfectionists. I don't say not to uh, give uh, rewards at all, I, but I say that uh, I think that in America, when I meet, uh, you know, I go back to a dinner, and uh, they, they tell me what you do. And I say, I'm a martial art teacher. And they say, oh, my son study with Master Kim. And I say, okay. A guy that calls himself Master Kim has already failed for me. Because uh, if you say I'm a sensei, I understand because I'm a teacher. But when you start to see yourself as a master, if people, if people want to title you the outside, it's okay. But when people sell themselves, the sign is a master this, master that, I will... That's my first, you know, watch out from those teachers. And it's um, not humble. And then, you know, immediately you pay our program a lot of money. But, you know, uh, this kid is overweight, double chin. And now his father told me, yeah, but he's a black belt. And I look at him. This kid cannot run from the toilet to the kitchen. And uh, black belt, you know what? In paying money. This is your black belt in paying money. I tried to tell him, look, no, let's go to his room. And he has all his room is a certificate, you know. I, I, I study under Professor Joe Machado. Sometimes, you know, I even take courses with Higan Machado, with Jean-Jacques Machado. And those great professors which were really champion, if you go to their house, maybe they have five certificates and two medals and anybody that competes. Yeah, you have a few trophies, but not a full room that, you know, 
all the room is medals and whatever, and the guy cannot do half push-up, not one push-up. But the parents are happy, and after one year is uh, black belt. Or I'm I'm teaching one day in a beach, and two parents coming to me and say, "Oh, what martial art is this?" And then they're telling me again about a kid at the age of ten that he's already a fifth dan and he's already uh, did this style fifth dan. And I said, "Wow, wow, you know, I'm sorry. I, I didn't say nothing bad because you know whatever. But I think the problem is starting the parents." And you can see because, you know, I work with a lot of Russians that, for example, do sambo, wrestling, you know, rough uh, fitness. And, and those coaches are amazing. You come in and they bring really like old school style. The kid come, okay, come here, do this, do this. And they love the kid more than those people. They just uh, encourage him uh, wrong. You, you understand encouraging their bank accounts while those people try to give him reality. And I always say I prefer to be student of reality uh, than master of illusion. I think that this is uh, the first thing as a parent is to see a teacher that first, he don't claim that he will teach your son only how to fight. Um, he will teach him about life, about the values of life. He will teach him about the code of the warrior how to respect, how to do not bully. You know, like uh, I see a lot of advertising by different martial arts these days, anti-bully program. And uh, the next thing, the teacher bully others. You could see all his Facebook will be, oh, look at that stupid teacher, I'm so great. Look at him, fight me. That's a bully too. Why are you challenging other schools? For me, martial arts start with the right education, not with the uh, ego. And, uh, you know, like all Facebook is, uh, is uh, you can see all Facebook is a damn-ass martial artist, and, and the people only go to show this, this, this. Why you don't put good teachers in the front? I never put on my Facebook a bad teacher. I always put, oh, look at that great teacher. Oh, look at that great teacher. This is a good example for a great teacher. If you did the, the long way, it's no matter, long way in, uh, in Sambo, in Judo, in, in Jiu-Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you, your teacher teach you the right way of martial art, mostly. And uh, you can see people that come from the long way compared to like these kids uh, at the age of 10, you already have a second or a third done, which is impossible. And that's, again, when the parents are actually committing a crime against their kids. And instead of really putting them in the right way, I, I don't say the hard way, in the right way. You know, you cannot be a doctor in one year, but you can be EMT or you can be a um, technician. And even if you want to be a nurse, it will take you four years. Yeah. So if you want so to be a doctor. Only, they're not only giving them a false sense of security and a skill set of martial arts, but also a false sense of accomplishment. And that's really what, where the... With the injustice. And the false skills to life. I am a clown. I'm a like, I like to laugh and everything. But deep inside, I'm so tough because my, my father was not easy on me. What's, what are the most important fundamentals for that parent to start teaching some things that they may not have the skill set in? So where, where, do he, where does he begin? If you need a T-shirt that says instructor, uh, because if, if it was not right on your teacher, instructor, I would think you are a beginner. And, and that's what you can see a teacher that has a charisma, has a leadership, 
he developed that in your child. You know, every child in my school must teach and to stand in front of students and to talk and to lead and to explain. And that's uh, creating much more than just martial arts self-defense. That's create a, a confident presentation, uh, explanation, you know, like uh, also in martial arts, everything as a sequence So for example, uh, we play different games. And if I manage, for example, to touch your head in a real fight, it will be a punch. So now you have to give me a push-ups. And they teach you that there's a pain to anything that you do wrong. And it's not uh, always to give you just uh, rewards and rewards and rewards. And for me, when a, a student stands, a child, and he teach other kids, this is a privilege. This is for him a great honor. And you could see, um, for me, a good teacher is a teacher that do community. For example, I remember with you, Sensei Adam, that you start to collect food and different uh, things to send for uh, people that had the, the hurricane and the disaster. And if you remember, I remember it very well that you, all your car, all the dojo used to have a, a bunch of food and things to support other people. And yeah. that's for me a good teacher. Yeah. is a teacher that is not selfish. He do something for the community. What's, what's Avinardi doing now and, and Israeli jiu-jitsu, uh, the emergence of that, what is, what, where Kapop is and the work that you're currently doing and involved in? You know, when I started teaching the U.S., it was like around, uh, around 99, uh, 98, 99. Uh, this year, I used to visit in the U.S., but teach mostly for SWAT teams and police teams and army. And uh, around 2001, I'm moving to live in the U.S. And my first shock is that uh, every ex-Taekwondo school wants to look tough, so now they're doing Krav Maga. So I'm moving here, and people ask me what I do. And at that time, my federation in Israel was called Kapat Krav Maga. Why Kapat? Because Kapat is the first Israeli martial art, not Krav Maga. And uh, the people just forget the riding on other people's work and they forget to mention them. So as a memory and as a history, I wanted first to mention all the people that create Kapal. And it was not men uh, mentioned, uh, for example, uh, Dr. Moshe Feldenkrais. But by the way, he was the first black belt by Jigaro Kano in judo. And he studied in France in the Sorbonne. And he opened the first judo and jiu-jitsu school in the 30s and 40s already in France. And he wrote the first book about combative. So all of those things people forgot to mention. And they forgot to mention, uh, for example, uh, Michel Horowitz. Uh, the old people rest in peace, yes, they died. But he forgot to mention uh, Moshe Finkel and all of those names of the people that really creating the first steps of the Israeli martial art. And it was not, Israeli martial art was not created by one person or two person. It's a, it's a work of a lot of people, study from each other, copy from each other, same like today. But you know, um, I was the first one to mention Katap and the history of Krav Panin al Panin, which is face-to-face -face combat. Plus for me, face-to-face -face combat was much more leading me to the code of the warrior and the swordsmanship because in Kendo, you cannot cut me in my back. It's considered uh, 
uh, not appropriate. You know, you have to kill me appropriate. You know, the American Army, we have the code of uh, conduct and uh, how a soldier need to do. A soldier uh, carry a big responsibility, same like a law enforcement, for human life. And I come from a swordsmanship of the sort of giving life, not of the sort of taking life. There were two main schools in uh, swordsmanship. If you look for doctors, they're using blades, they're using knives to cut people, but in a positive way, to give life. And this is why the swordsmanship is to teach you behavior. And for example, before I do Yaido, before I draw the sword, I have two moves. And the two moves are to symbolize the thing twice before you're taking somebody's life. So for me, education and direction is more important than just do fast and whatever. Martial art is about be kind. Martial art is about humble. Martial art is about friendship. And that's another thing that I would like to see if I put my son through a martial arts school. I want to see that they develop friendship. They don't develop, uh, you know, like when people always jealous, like uh, in tournaments and, oh, I hate that guy or... No, I want them to really uh, be happy with what they do. When I moved to the U.S., I could not use the full name because it was already uh, sued in the court about Ramaga trademark. And people start to know me only as a Kapal. But the full name of the federation in Israel by Israeli government is Kapal Ramaga. All my books, all my DVDs, I gave a lot of credit to many other people that are part of what I do. Or even in the direction, like my father. I mean, I'm sure that if my father see my skills today, he will like, same like Michelle Orovitz, which was the head instructor for the Palmas, and he was the head instructor for Kapak. And when he saw me and I gave him my books and DVD, he said, wow, wow, <laughs> this is way behind my level. But yes, <laughs> it's like my son is behind my level. That's, that's what we do. We develop but without your direction, we will never go to the right way. Do you think your son's going to be following in your footsteps? In oh, no, 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 no. I will stop <laughs> it. No way. <laughs> no way. I think that you know it yourself. You know, like a lot of people, uh, I want my son to be MMA. No, 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 no. I want my son to be what uh, my son wants to be. I don't care if you want to be a ballet dancer. I will support, you know. My son needs to be what my son wants to do. And uh, this is another thing that, you know, a lot of martial art teachers, they want, if I am a jiu-jitsu guy, I want my son to be a jiu-jitsu and a jiu-jitsu champion. And, and uh, you know, about a guy that I really respect from jiu-jitsu, and uh, his son was interviewed and he said, look, I was uh, belong to this jiu-jitsu clan, and my father wants me to go and fight and be a jiu-jitsu champion, and, you know, I'm a part of this clan, I had to do it. And one guy wrote there, he might be the best jiu-jitsu guy, the father, but as a parent, you fail. And, uh, and this is, again, uh, martial arts. My, my son did martial arts for time with me. I still support him to do it as a, as a good direction of life. Right. I think that there is a lot of sacrifice in martial arts and martial arts teacher. And again, I'm not talking about those martial arts schools that I see they're more like a summer camp teachers. They are not really martial artists. They are not really martial art teachers and they never bring the students, but they go about quantity. They don't look for really quality or, or to be a real martial artist. 
Yeah. You know, one of the totally. things I see, I see a lot of pictures uh, of you that you put up on social media with your son and you're, you're in a submarine with him somewhere or you're over in Europe somewhere with him. It's always, uh, it, it seems like you are certainly giving him quite an adventure in life uh, in the relationship that you guys have. And that's pretty cool to see. Yeah. <laughs> life skills. That's for me, martial art. And this is why I talked to him also today about martial art, but not martial art, how to kick, you know, martial art philosophy, concept. And it's true, you know, I tried to, you know, I took my son to the Amazon and uh, I took him to Africa. And many times I told him, look, a kid, you know, I just back now, we talked about uh, doing stuff. Uh, tomorrow I have a workshop that all the money goes a donation to Kibera. Kibera is the second biggest slum in Africa, but is also the biggest slum in uh, Kenya and uh, more than one and a half million uh, people living there. The people that find work, because unemployment is very big there, but the people that find work, you talk about uh, a salary of $1 maximum for a day. Wow. So 20 bucks for a month, it's a lot of money. And uh, I started a program there with uh, Sensei Salim and Sensei Jean Bruno from uh, Mauritius. And uh, we start to push there for kids and tomorrow. And then I'm going to do, and you might want also to be involved. We're trying to take those kids and giving them martial arts as a life skill and as a also helping them to grow and to study. And that's a way to go outside that uh, poverty and poor. I mean, are we offering everyone to put a shoulder and to help those kids by uh, donations? Uh, can be money, can be judo mats, can be uniform. Every martial arts school have like a ton of uh, uniform that kids left or kids stop the training. My wife start, my son now get involved, my ex-wife get involved. It's very funny, but uh, we all uh, want to help those kids. And this is for me martial art. And I'm happy that my son is involved with this. You know, when I start to design knife, uh, so my son uh, designed the knife called Kravi by Fox uh, Knife Company. I took him to the Amazon to see that uh, people, like now I'm back also from Africa, they play with a stone and a stick, same like I was a child, and they're happy. I know you're, you got a lot of travel going on. You've, you've been spending a lot, of, a, a lot of time in a lot of amazing places. Uh, what do you got coming up in the next couple months? What's, what's next on your calendar? Um, I'm back from the U.S. on the 25th. And 26, I'll get uh, from the flight. It's a three flight. So I'm getting to Belgrade. And the next day, I fly to Istanbul. We have a conference. Then we fly to Serbia. I have to teach shooting, firearms. And immediately, I have to drive to uh, Czech Republic. And I have fast rope uh, from helicopters uh, course for two days. Drive back to uh, Serbia and keep teaching a new firearm class. And then England, and that's how it works. Israel. Uh, I'm, I think that uh, my life is very active, but I always have a time. And when a person don't have a time, it means they do nothing. They just lay down lazy. Busy people always have time. 
Well, thank you so much for spending your time. Uh, this has been an amazing uh, interview. And like always, there's always massive amounts of uh, information that I get from you. And I usually sometimes I walk away from uh, having discussions with you with my head just spinning with uh, ideas and, and new learning. So I feel very fortunate uh, to, to, to be able to spend that time with you. Where can uh, any of our listeners uh, connect with you, learn more about you, or even join uh, in any of your training or programs or see what you got coming up? The, the best thing is just to go to my website, www.aviinardia.com, and send me email. That's the most uh, important. So Avi, I just um, want to say I just want to say thank you so much again for uh, taking your time, and this has been a phenomenal interview. I'm probably actually going to break it into two separate uh, part one and part two because there's just so much information here that you gave. So just want to say thank you once again, and I really look forward to seeing you again. Thank you very very much. I want to thank you for spending time with us on this episode today. It's truly appreciated. I hope you got some value from it. If you want to go ahead and leave any comments or questions, reach out to me directly. I personally answer all of the questions that you have. If you know someone like yourself who may find value in this episode, then please go ahead and share it. We'd also like to ask you to subscribe to Close Quarter Dad. This way you get updated every time a new episode comes out wherever you're listening to this episode. Thank you so much once again, and we'll see you on the next episode of Close Quarter Dad.